This is Inside Malden, Ideas and Stories that Inspire. This is the third and final part of a panel discussion about arts, culture, and community held May 11, 2017 in Malden. Panelists discuss marketing and the challenge of creating a demand for art. shift now to a conversation about money because it seems like that always comes up when we're talking arts or lack of arts or making a living and um, the, uh, there have been a number of assessments of or the status of artists and it appears that uh, artists who are um, professional artists and being paid as such tend to be very well educated but make less than the median salary. So that's interesting. Talking about money and the need to focus on it, and as COOL, Cultural Organization of Lowell, I know in your strategic plan, one of the um, impetuses from the consultant was to focus specifically on money and revenue. Is that right? Uh, to, to really hone in on that. that the, that it appeared that the artists and the events, though there are many, many, many going on in, in Lowell, they're not making enough money. Is that, am I correct in that assessment there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a common issue in probably many cities, <laughs> um, you know, with artists in general, is that there are a lot of them. And, uh, you know, there are people, everyone's fighting for the same dollar, just like, you know, Target and Walmart and all them are fighting. You're every artist who does visual arts is fighting for that same person to come in and look at their art and buy something from it, and especially buying an original versus not necessarily just the $25 print. You want them to buy that $500,000 original. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the idea is, is, you know, the two aspects of the money was one is from the, the, the industry, the economy side of it is, yeah, I mean, there has there has to be a way to try to get everybody to work together so that it helps push everybody's income up somewhat to, through the organizations as well as the artists because that's, I mean, again, if it is a business that you're looking for, then the only way to increase your revenue is to make sure that you get more people coming in and looking at your stuff. So that's hopefully what our goal is, is to try to increase that uh, demand and increase the supply of people in the city that will come to that studio, that organization, and spend some money there. And I pose this to the rest of you. Um, I know, as you said, one of the tools or strategies that you're going to do to increase the revenue, or what I remember from the report, was that you were going to market it more heavily to outside cities and, and to really try to get people outside of Lowell to come in and, and attend these various events and so forth and so on. So I pose to the rest of you, what role do you think marketing, if you were to talk about marketing plays, in not only getting people to see and experience your art, but to also inform people of its value? It's very huge. Marketing is, I think, is the key now to really kind of present yourself, showing yourself, and sell yourself to other places, not only to your community, to other places. Because we got a grant from NIFA 
is the National Endowment for the Arts here in, in Boston. New England, yes, for the arts. So when they got us this grant, they were like, okay, what are you gonna do with it? And we're like, oh, <laughs> we need to pay dancers and we need to really kind of you know, keep ourselves stronger in the community, so we definitely need that money. But it was a small amount, it wasn't really that big. But F Boston Foundation gave us a grant, but pretty much it's for marketing only. So they pair us up with this guy named Gary, I think he's the CEO for Boston Celebrity Series, who bring companies from all over the world here in Boston. And he said, Jean, you really need to get like a E packet, like, where you can send it via email, that electronic package. And I was like, what do you mean by that? Because as a dancer, I just thought, you know, to just put my dance clothes on and just trying to teach a class. And he's like, no, because teaching that class is not gonna get you in Japan. So if you really want people to see you in Japan, you need to really have your packet strong. And after that, send it everywhere you can so people can really, because a lot of people are asking about Haitian contemporary dance or Haitian folklore dance. So you're gonna be able to explain that to them just by showing the movement? I'm like, yes, because I can teach the class. And he said, no, 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 you, think, you have to rethink the process now because everything pretty much is very fast and everything is pretty much you know, via media. So he said, you need to really get yourself together. So we finally took his advice and pretty much put everything on a packet and we pretty much trying to do what he said and it's working. Yeah. So um, with this conversation of marketing, I know one of the challenges with um, just demographically, uh, and this also came out in the report, is that the younger generation is a little bit more techno savvy and a little bit more facile with some of these online marketing kind of strategies and abilities. So um, what does that mean for those who are not millennials and does that mean one needs to also, in, in addition to help bolster, you know, training artists to be their own marketers, do we also need to focus on support systems and support organizations to help artists do that? Basically that if you want to promote yourself, um, there's a couple ways to do it. Uh, one is to help the other organization and they will spread the word, okay? Because <clears throat> I paying for the community. They're the one who take my painting and get it out there. And a lot of this auction and banquet, there are a lot of CEO from bank and corporation. Uh, I just sold, uh, I didn't sell, I donated the painting of Tom Brady and they auctioned it, they got $1,300. So there's 600 people in the room, a lot of corporations, and they raise a lot of money. Now, the other thing is that I'm very fortunate that I retire. I don't need a paint depending on that, you know, to make a living. Um, but I do understand the marketing is very important. And I do a lot of watercolor painting and with acrylic. What I'm doing is I'm putting out a, um, a 50 painting of the street um, of the world, okay? If you go onto my Facebook, you can see street of London, street of Paris, street of Hong Kong, and that's gonna be in a book. And then I'm gonna market this to all the hotel as a coffee table book, okay? 
And the mission for this is very important because I will tell the corporation all the proceeds for this is going to donate for scholarship. And the mission statement is very simple. Invest in the future American youth and children around the world to STEM, science, te technology, engineering, math, arts, education, and humanity. And that's the key. The model of this is to inspire, aspire before expire. And that's how you do it, okay? So you, awesome. you saw that big brush. If I ask kids that pick up a calligraphy pen, basically like the size of a pencil, and they're gonna do this, it is so boring. When I pick up that brush, everybody is shocked. So they said, I wanna be like that. So that's the inspirations, okay? So once they like it, then they're on their own. It's every, every children, every uh, student needs some guidance, okay? And that's very important. And we are adult, we need to guide them. So that's what I can share with you. So I want to um, now just touch really briefly on crowdfunding and in part because um, I know I've often thought, well, gosh, Malden could do crowdfunding because so many people want arts in Malden. And, and I know um, Lainey, who's not here, did a successful crowdfunding campaign. I know Jean, you have done crowdfunding. And uh, if any of you have any thoughts about that, what are the pitfalls and um, uh, assets of, of using crowdfunding? For a city like Malden, could that be a viable way to raise money for, you know, a space or, you know, any number of things? Question, uh, does Malden itself have any monuments in the town? We have some uh, statues like Bell Rock and there's some significant um, pieces like sculpture and, and sort of um, historic sites and mm -hmm. so forth. Because that, um, there's actually a lot of opportunity for all the artists here. Um, I just want to let you know that um, recently that New Mexico, they're building a new courthouse. They're asking artists around the United States to participate. It's called the Public Art Competitions. And you have to, you have to look, at, look at the courthouse and come up with a theme. And, and then you compete. Um, and then you have to subscribe why you need to do that, okay? So I participate in that competition. Um, I don't know the result yet, um, but the price is 265K, okay? So, so I look back and said, okay, well, it's a courthouse. So it had to be justice and balance, right? So I look back and I said, hmm. I said that maybe um, I can, I'm good in calligraphy, right? So I can write something in Chinese calligraphy and partner with a sculptor. Because I, I don't do sculpting or those kind of things. And, and then go with this program. So I said that, why don't we build monuments um, of the um, Asian American with the Chinese uh, exclusion of 1882, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, the Chinese were not allowed to have a court case to hear. So this is something with judges and balance. So I, I submitted it and we have a sculptor ready to go, famous sculptor, okay?
okay? And uh, hopefully we win, you know, so. That's, so that's <laughs> another, a competition is a very good idea. About funding, it's really to have patience. <laughs> it's really not only trying to really bring it to our community, but you have to really invest yourself in the community so for them to really know your work and to know really what you're doing. And if what you're doing is meaningful to them, they definitely will donate. Because when we first did our first crowdfunding, we were like, oh, maybe that's not going to work. So we said, maybe we should make it for $20,000. And we did raise $22,000 or $23,000. So to me, I think it's hard to try to really do only crowdfunding because there are many ways to raise funding. And it's just you have to be clever, I think, as my good friend said, you know, said it before, it's not only trying to do one thing, it's just really trying to mix and really working together and partnering with other people so you can really find a way for people to really feel what you're doing is important. Because as a nonprofit, it is very hard to be a nonprofit right now because everybody is being nonprofit and everybody is really not trying to invest only a nonprofit. Um, I'm going to ask one last question and then we're going to open it up to the audience to pose questions and offer comments. And um, my last question is actually about navigating city government. And the reason for this um, question is reflecting on the origins of COOL and the fact that the city founded it, but then of course, you know, city government shifts with the leadership and the different focuses will move and ebb and flow. Uh, so that's one piece. And then the other I noticed even in Lowell, you know, there was some commotion about uh, materials tax that is being enforced in Lowell. And it's putting a tremendous burden on the artists because their materials are often, you know, borrowed or, you know, it's just a lot of work for um, not a lot of benefit really. But, but I think we all have to be cognizant of, we have to work within the bounds of our community. So if any of you have any thoughts about how do you navigate city government in the best and most respectful and effective way possible for the arts? I think it's just like everything else. It, you got to just keep communicating with them and just letting them know what's happening and having the good relationship and working with them. Um, till most recently, again, um, school was contracted by the city to be the uh, cultural affairs and special events office. So our location was in the city. Our executive director at that point, we had this little weird operation where 70% was paid by the city, 30% was paid by Cool, and she had 14 bosses, the board, and then the city manager. Operationally, it didn't work, so we ended up leaving the contract at the end, and we just recently, in, well, recently as of last June or July, we moved into our own offices. But we still have a great relationship with the city because, you know, we respect them and they respect us and they understand that they see the value in what art and culture does and they know that it does bring in money and they do want to have more people in their city because all of this is tax revenue for the city. So they don't want to make enemies against any of us and we don't want to make enemies against them because we do need stuff from them and we ask for things every now and then. So it, it has to be a, a cordial relationship where you just have to start communicating with one another. So, you know, and I, I think it can work. And if I can just add one uh, comment in regards to, it, it sort of ties into this in regards to the crowdfunding and um, 
you know, the marketing and everything, you know, it's, it all comes together. It's, it's, it's not just marketing yourself as an artist. It's, it's changing the mindset of city council, of government, of the people. Everybody has, it's the same thing, the small businesses that we have the issue with. You know, we need people to start thinking local and, you know, you have to look at culture as a local commodity. And I mean, yes, visual artists, you know, you've got a lot of open studios, but dance companies and gallery spaces, they even, I feel, have it a little even tougher because, you know, in this day and age with the millennials, you know, everyone's got Netflix, everyone's got Amazon Prime, it's instant gratification. And, you know, you go to the movies, you go to the mall, uh, the arcades don't exist anymore. So trying to get people to go to see a dance performance versus going to Lowe's or Showcase or going, you know, seeing some of these smaller performers in community theaters is getting to be a lot tougher. Probably even in Malden, you probably see the same group of people at the same events every time you go. And, you know, here and there you might see one or two different folks, but it's always the same folks. It's the same thing with the um, for donations. It's the rotating check. It's whose turn is it to pay this organization and it just goes around and you have everyone has to we have to try to change that mindset and I think city government can help with that by putting you know putting priorities on art and culture and thinking of the this as an industry and an economy because they will if they do they'll see that it is probably just as high as a revenue um, booster for the city as you know, maybe their tech industry or their health industry. So I think it's just continuously pounding it into people and to, into the city that, you know, we're here, you need to, you need to support us. This is Inside Malden, Ideas and Stories That Inspire. This is a panel discussion about arts, culture, and community featuring Jean Abelon, Alvin Colon, Farah Mehubi, Andy Jacobson, and Peter Ng. One of the, the things, I've been a, a professional artist for 40 years, um, uh, and I've been do, living on custom work, which has come in as it's come in. Um, I've never been successful at marketing. I've tried a couple of times, but I've not been able to follow through. Um, I actually went to a career counselor many years ago and uh, wondered if I should go into sales instead of art. And uh, after a, a, a big test, he said, basically, you should make art and let somebody else sell it. So um, Peter's very impressive because you are quite the promoter. I feel like there's a place for a very active marketing entity, not just a, a, a space where you put a piece of art, wait for somebody to walk in the door. Some, because uh, a gallery is supposed to be a marketing organization, uh, some entity that will promote your work, that will go to Connecticut, that will go to Maine, that will find other places to sell your work. Uh, because it's very difficult to make a living in a small uh, geographic area. Any thoughts on that? Okay, so my, my thought on that is, um, I'm not the best promoter either, the best marketing person, but what I find it's a good strategy for me is to attending a lot of events. Uh, you hear about an art show, attend it. Attend events and, and network as much as possible. Pass your cards around, because you never know who you're gonna meet. You, you might meet an agent that's looking for, for that right artist for you. The question is, can there be an entity that does that for you. Yeah, that, that'll be the agent. So, 
and that's what we're looking for. That you know, myself, I'm looking for an agent too. <laughs> that's once we all find that, that's that's the hard thing. That, and I'm also as a gallery owner. The other thing I'm looking for is the the art buyers, the art collectors. So you got the agents and the and the collectors that are the two main things that we need that'll help us raise $265,000 like that, you know? <laughs> is, is there some way that the city can contribute to that effort? I think the city should definitely, I th some, of, some cities do invest in artists and have some time grants, donations, and all this stuff happening for artists. But as an, there are so many of us running after this money and running after this little pocket of money. So it's sometimes very difficult. And I think, as my friend here said too, like it's just trying to find that agent or trying to find this local person who can really buy your products to keep on doing it. Because as an artist, sometimes you cannot even afford an agent. Because sometimes the agent will tell you, I'll take 7% of your money. And when you only selling things will cost $1,500, Taking seven percent of that is really, it's really hard. I'm not saying that they should not, but that's their fair share that they want to do. But it's very hard as an artist trying to sell yourself and trying to find the right product also to to sell. It's very hard. Um, I, you know, from Cool's perspective, we do promotion and marketing of the events and the organizations. So the artist studios we will do. Um, I think it becomes harder for an organization to start promoting individual artists mm -hmm. unless you're having a show at a specific gallery. Mm -hmm. um, that, so I think, I think there's a, some complementary activity that can be done to help an individual artist by if they're involved in more shows, more events within their studios. It's harder, I think, if you're a, if you're a singular studio, mm -hmm. sort of out of working out of home, unless you're having an event. Um, I think that's where it sort of becomes, you know, the organization will work somewhat. I think it's going to be tough to try to get any organization that's going to have a, a group of salespeople that will be going out I think it's going to cost too much. I think that's where the artist needs to sort of look at finding in that aspect, you know, either some how to do it managing themselves or looking at, you know, an employee to our agent or whatever to start. In answer to your question, Stephen, I think, uh, and it goes back to what Andy's been saying about uh, a community working together. I think you're right. A lot of artists just don't have the bandwidth to be their own promoter and sometimes don't have the skills either. And so organizations, for example, MATV, we have our gallery, and by showing work in our gallery and the promotion we do through our videos and um, the promotion we do through other kinds of marketing, we're helping that artist sell their work. I think Anna Tai here is in the audience. She's over there. You can stand up, Anna. And her work is the embroidery pieces that you see over there, and there's also a beautiful piece in the hallway and she was part of our uh, gallery, and we did a video about her and um, really, really promoted her. And she really, she said she, no one knew who she was before, and now many, many people in the community know who she is. Um, they're starting to buy her work. So I really think that if you can get a community to have groups and organizations whose job it is to promote the arts, they help the artists. So I think um, one of the things that Malden Arts tried to do with 
um, Window Arts Malden is we had artists put their artwork in all up and down Pleasant Street as a way for people to know who are the artists that are in town. And we encourage people to have their cards out. To, so, I mean, there, there are ways, they're subtle, albeit subtle, um, but I think there are ways that between MATV's gallery, between some of the work of Malden Arts, I think there are ways that um, people, that organizations in the city are trying to support artists. But I think other ideas are welcome. I'm wondering about the role of organizations to promote art itself, the, in, especially in the effort to make art collectors, because we need people to buy the art that we make. And one thing I noticed at the New England Fine Art Show this year is they really um, were promoting the idea of millennials buying art, because the art collectors are getting older and older, and we don't have a generation young who are going to up and come who are spending their money on art. And so I think we need to also work on art appreciation and art buying and investing in art and that it's a good thing to have and all as a long-term investment and those kinds of things in the younger millennial generations as we're coming up. So there actually is a generation to buy art. And I'm wondering if any of that comes out in, um, especially in the work of Cool, which I know is like 20 years old or so now. One of our, at least my big focus, is the youth. Um, you know, in all art, and you know, we have we have a we do have a strong youth participation in art. A lot of it, by however, though, seems to be more on the performance art. So we do have a lot from in the dancing, especially. Um, we were talking about earlier the, either the phrase break dancing or b boy b girl dancing. Um, in that hip hop. Uh, poetry slams, uh, dance, and uh, even small theater. So there, there's definitely a lot of that. For the visual artists, you know, we do see a lot more graffiti artists um, in, in place, Those t that type of work, uh, you know, some, and some visual stuff. But it, it's, from the buying side, though, it is always tough, and it is trying to get them. And I think some of that is... What I like, we had a street team that tried to go out there and do social media and promote events that they were going to. These were youths, youths in this program and trying to get their friends to uh, like them, follow them, Snapchat, everything, and get them to come to events. I think what we're seeing, though, is it's a level of engagement. And... You, you said it exactly. It's a lot of the galleries still, uh, they're trying to play, the, I guess there's this balancing act. Um, they have their regulars that continuously come to their galleries. And some of the galleries, at least in Lowell, are, you know, like the Whistler um, House. They're older galleries, um, air, you know, and a lot of them have focused on the artwork that, unfortunately, a lot of the, the youth today aren't as interested in. So I think you need to find that somewhat balance where you can get some shows that are driven and produced by young folks that will then get their friends in there. And you may not sell anything right away. I mean, because, you know, despite me saying, and I believe that high schoolers and college kids have the most income than any 30, 40-year-old because they can always go to mom and dad to get some money if possible. 
but they always seem to manage to have some money because they're in restaurants 24 hours a day. So if you can find a way to get them to spend a little bit on prints, you know, they may not be buying the two, $300 piece right now, but get them into prints and somehow getting them into your work that they can then maybe look at down the road of saying, hey, I really like this person, let's get back in there. It, it, it's gonna be a long process, um, but I, I think you have to engage them from, you know, as Peter was saying, you know, you have to get them involved right away and think locally and getting, and galleries and organizations need to figure out opportunities to bring them in. And, um, you know, the gallery space, um, that Arcona has is one way of doing that because it, in, you know, it brings in and it mixes, you know, performance and art together. And we have a space called Uncharted that's also a, a restaurant in performance and gallery. And those are the things that seem to be successful in bringing a lot of young folks in there. And I think it just needs to perpetuate through some of the the older mentality, I guess. A big question is how do we get um, most of the people, the 99% the to be thinking of themselves as art lovers and art appreciators and art collectors and how, and how do we get them more engaged into doing that? How can we get them to be art lovers? And thinking about an actual public relations campaign, maybe encouraging the average working class person be an art lover, be an art appreciation, engage with the art. See what well, I think um, some of the ways to, um, some of the ways it happens where, uh, you, where art collectors are attracted to a certain type of genre of art is, um, from what I understand as a gallery owner and curator, is it's a trend thing. It's popularity. So when a certain genre of art is like popular these days, like for instance right now, I think what's popular is like what he said with the graffiti art. And, uh, and graffiti art to me is, a, I have a different definition of graffiti art, but the graffiti art that I'm talking about is the pop art, like the Shepherd's Ferry art, you know, a lot of prints and stencil art. That's, that's not like graffiti to me, but that's what the mainstream sees graffiti as. And that's what's selling. A lot of millennials buy that, they sell it. It's easy to do. You know, they just create a stencil spray and they got a canvas and then they put it up on the wall and it sells. And I see it all the time. I feature these artists and their work sells faster than a fine artist's work will sell. So again, it's all about like uh, what's trending and what's popular at this time. Thank you all so much for coming. This has been a wonderful discussion, and um, I hope that it's really just the beginning of many more discussions in Malden, because uh, all, of I, all of us here, we want to see arts and culture grow in Malden. And, uh, and one of the things I think that may or may not be obvious, but, but in, in our discussions so far, when we really started to think about the growth of arts and culture in Malden, we said, what, what makes Malden unique? And it's also one of the reasons that makes Lowell unique, and that's uh, our diversity. And that if we can really harness that diversity and 
have Malden be the place where you not only come to see great art galleries and so forth, but you can come and see Haitian dance or Chinese brush painting or British, you know, Brazilian capoeira or whatever it is, all of those things are here in Malden. And if we can really capitalize on that, um, it would be great for the artists as well as our community as a whole. You have been listening to the third and final part of a panel discussion about arts, culture, and community. At the end of this discussion, attendees shared ideas and vision for arts in Malden. For more information about their input or other aspects of this discussion, please visit InsideMalden.com. Special thanks to Malden's Senior Community Center staff for offering the facility for this discussion. We also thank MATV Malden's Media Center for hosting the event as part of MATV Week 2017. We thank the panelists for their gracious time and wisdom, and we thank the visioning team consisting of Candace Julian, Anderso Rose, Ron Cox, Naomi Brave, Marcel Schwab, and Stephen Maurer for their help conceiving of this event. Thank you to Brian Biggie of MATV for providing recording, lighting, media, and sound services. The podcast was edited by Osa Schwab. To subscribe to the Inside Malden podcast with new episodes each month, visit our website at InsideMalden.com. You can also view this this and other episodes explore the ideas and stories featured, offer your reflections in a guest blog post or comment. This program is supported in part by a grant from the Malden Cultural Council, a local agency which is supported by the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency. Music provided on this set of three podcasts comes from Heterotopia, a rock opera composed, performed, and produced by Lainey Schooltree. To purchase a copy of this rock opera, please visit schooltreemusic.com. by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org.